0: I think probably an assumption that I was wrong about um, which is probably just may- maybe part of the naivete that you kind of need to like jump off the cliff and do something up, do. is uh, you know
1: Welcome to Building Birmingham Together, a show about Birmingham's business leaders' successes, failures, and lessons learned to encourage you to remember that dreaming is free, but the hustle is sold separately. I'm your host, Kim Lee, founder and CEO of Forge. Building Birmingham Together is brought to you today by Forge. Forge is Birmingham's first professional co-working space located in the heart of downtown Birmingham at the Pazitz Building. With private offices, open workspace, as well as meeting and event space, Forge is the place where small business owners, entrepreneurs, and remote workers come together, meet new people, and get work done. If you would like to find out more about Forge, you can visit workatforge.com and schedule a tour directly on our website. Today on Building Birmingham Together, we have Tommy Mayfield. Tommy is the co-founder of Wendy. He founded Wendy with his wife, Ginger, after they had their second child and became exhausted from the common methods all parents use to find babysitters, which most often is at the last minute. Wendy is a platform that uniquely combines trust and technology, enabling parents to easily connect with background-checked college students in a way that benefits everyone. In the episode today, you will hear how providing a solution for a personal need has led to a platform that is on its way to solving the problem of on-demand need in any area of skilled workforce. Before we get started in the interview with Tommy, I want to take just a minute to share with you about the summer special we are running at Forge for our co-working memberships. As summer quickly approaches, I know there is a lot of scrambling to try to figure out how you are going to continue working at home when all of the distractions of summer are about to bombard your newly adjusted work from home setup. This is why we are offering you one month free when you purchase one month of membership at Forge. If you break this down, this is really two months of co working for only $95. At Forge, we say we are in the business of growing businesses, and we truly believe that getting out of your house and working in a place that is designed to make you more productive will grow your business. You can book a tour directly on our website. Be sure to use the code Special to take advantage of this offer. Now to the interview with Tommy. So Tommy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me
1: absolutely so before we get started and hear your story about wendy i'd love for you just to share with us a little bit about your family and your stage of life and what's going on with y'all um you know what your family looks like which leads to explaining about wendy and how y'all got started
0: sure yeah um so uh i'm a native of birmingham grew up here um went to vanderbilt for undergrad up in Nashville and met my wife, Ginger, there. She is um, a native of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, We spent some time in DC and then um, three years in Charlottesville when I was in law school uh, and moved back here in 2009. So we've been back in Birmingham since then um, and have started a family. Uh, We have two daughters who are now uh, 10 and eight. So um, growing up fast. So.
1: They are. Oh my goodness, it's so fast. Wow. So tell us about what Wendy is. And then um yeah, just a little bit about how how Wendy came to be.
0: Sure. Um you did a pretty good job of covering it in the intro. Uh, I know,
1: but there's so much more. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, so sort of the elevator pitch on Wendy is that it's a mobile app that makes it really easy for parents to find, book, and pay vetted background checks, college babysitters. Um, and really, uh, you know, what I think sets us apart, as you kind of alluded to, is really two things. You know, when we started back in uh, late 2016, early 2017, we knew that if we were going to be successful, we had to build a platform that parents like us could trust, Mm -hmm. So trust has always been kind of the the first and most important thing in what we do. And so we've kind of gone about engendering that trust uh, with parents really in three key ways. The first is all of our sitters are full-time college or graduate students at trusted local universities. Uh, The second is our vetting process. So to to be a Wendy sitter, you have to apply online. That's a process where we verify students' enrollment Uh, ask them questions, conduct a video interview, and run them all through a background check before they can access the app. And then the third uh, piece of trust is sort of the features that we built into the app. So we have filters where you can browse Wendy profiles. And if you're a parent who says, I'm really interested in having a UAB nursing student who's involved in XYZ activity, you can essentially hit three buttons and find all the sitters who meet your unique preferences we also have a social connections component. So, you know, you and I as parents can connect on Wendy. And then anytime I see a sitter's profile, it'll tell me, hey, this sitter has babysat for Kim five times and Kim has given that sitter five star ratings every time. So we've kind of taken the word of mouth recommendation and just sort of overlaid technology onto it. So. I always say trust is kind of what brings uh, parents to Wendy. What keeps them coming back repeatedly is the reliability and the convenience that we provide. So, you know, across our 20 plus markets, um, you know, on average, we're connecting parents to a sitter ready to work their job in something like 90 seconds. Um, yeah,
1: that's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's really, you know, before Wendy, if Ginger and I wanted to go out on a Friday night, we had to start looking for the sitter on Monday Um, we've really kind of transformed that so that, you know, a significant portion of our jobs, um, for like a weekend, even for today, right. It's Friday at noon. Um, a lot of jobs will get booked between today, between now and say 5 PM for tonight. So we kind of, for sure. The way that parents are able to think about going out and getting a babysitter, um, and so I think providing that, we, we like to kind of call that the magical, windy experience. And I think when we can deliver that consistently to parents, um, you know, it's, it is it's it is magic for them. So
1: Absolutely. So uh, our kids, our oldest was old enough to start staying home with our younger kids. In our mind, she was old enough. So, we did not really. We, we have used Wendy a couple times with our small group for church, but as far as our family, we never e- did experience the magic of Wendy. But we did experience, we usually did not plan going out on Fridays on Monday. It was usually like Friday at 10. Murray would text me and be like, hey, do you want to go do something tonight? It's like, sure. So, then it starts the sending out the text messages to like the 10 babysitters that we love waiting for them to respond. And when they don't respond or can't do it, then it's like sending out text messages to all of our friends. Okay. I need a sitter for tonight. So the magic of having a babysitter in 90 seconds, when that was like a, from 10 to five issue, like we don't know if we're going to be able to go out tonight until, you know, till the last minute um is really amazing.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: um And I don't want to skip over this fact that I think is so Incredible for what you've done in Birmingham, and I know y'all are in a lot of different markets. Um, but another side of how great it is for parents is the employment for college students, and um, how much money that y'all have give ha- not given, but college students have made. So, can you tell us that?
0: Yeah, you know, I think that's another thing that early on we knew if we're going to make this thing work, we we can't just think about making this a good experience for parents. We also have to think about our Wendy sitters and how this is gonna be beneficial to them. And if you think about you know, your typical college student, if they need to earn or they want to earn some extra money, you know, their options are pretty limited. I mean, they can go get a part-time job at Starbucks or a clothing store, but with that, they're really locked into a, <clears throat> a schedule. There's not a lot of flexibility um, and they've got to do it consistently. So a lot of people turn to babysitting as college students, but, you know, again, as a babysitter, there's only so much you can do to kind of get your name out there. And Mm -hmm. the world before Wendy, even if you had five families who, you know, you knew, you were just kind of sitting around waiting, hoping those families would text you and say, hey, can you babysit tonight? So we really wanted to provide a way for, you know, college students to earn a flexible but legitimate part-time income. You know, build relationships with the uh families sort of in the in the uh city where they you know live during college. And honestly to kind of build a living resume, and one of the things mm-hmm. that's been really cool is um, you know, before Wendy, you would never put babysitter on sort of your <laughs> resume or your link.
1: Yeah. Account.
0: Um, but what's really cool is, you know, today, I mean, I I get LinkedIn requests all the time, and I see when I looked at people's LinkedIn profiles, these college students they list being a Wendy on their profile, and and there's data behind that, right? Like they can say I've done 200 jobs on Wendy, and I have a five star rating, which essentially, you know, tells people, hey, I know how to manage my time, and I know how to work with people, which are you know two of the most important skills in any profession. So, uh, anyway, that was a long winded way to answer your first question, which yeah. was in terms of how much money we've been able to put into the pockets of college students. Um, in Birmingham and Nashville alone, we've put over $3 million into the pockets of college students um, since we started. So it's been you know, really rewarding to kind of see how we're um, empowering students. And we've had some really cool stories about students who, you know, were able to do things they otherwise wouldn't have been able to do, or I mean, even some students who said, I would have had to drop out of college because I couldn't have afforded it, but for Wendy. So that's been a really fun kind of part of this journey.
1: So I know you have to get the question a lot, and I'm sure um, it was a question I had, and I know others have to have it too, is, so how you keep parents on the windy app and not just circumventing like oh we got this good sitter let's let's like how do you keep them there instead of them just taking the sitters and getting their personal information and booking like that schedule or hiring them on their own
0: yeah no it's a great question and it's definitely one that's been uh circulating from uh the very beginning yeah uh, it's nice to be kind of three and a half years into this and have you know hard data to sort mm-hmm. of answer the question and the data tells us, you know, we have really healthy retention rates. Um, I think the reason for that is um, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, the the experience that we're delivering to parents um, is not just, you know, 10% better than texting your list of sitters. It's, you know, when it works right, it's 10 times better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's part of it. Um, I also think, you know, the, the users who really value Wendy, from the parent perspective, are often, you know, busy, dual-income working parents who, you know, really, they value their time and convenience over a few dollars. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I've had Uber drivers in the past who've said, hey, here's my car. Next time you need a ride, just, you know, text me. And I'm like, why would I do that? You know, <laughs> I, I don't care about saving $3 on my Uber ride. I just want to be able to press a button and I get what I need. Right. So I think that's part of it too, is kind of understanding who our target audience is. And then, you know, the other thing is, I think even if you are, you know, you meet a Wendy and you really love um, love that person, I think for a lot of parents before Wendy, there was this perception that there must only be five good babysitters in Birmingham because that's right. all I can find, you know? Um, right. And so I think as parents begin to use Wendy, they may, you know, they may have Sally, their first Wendy job and they're like, gosh, Sally's great let me get her number. And then they try to text Sally. Well, Sally's not available or Sally doesn't respond. And so they're basically right back to the problem Mm -hmm. that we built Wendy to solve. So then they hire Annie and they have Annie and they go, Annie was just as good, if not better than Sally. And so the more they kind of get familiar with Wendy um, and have the experience of Wendy, the more they realize like there's actually 500 great babysitters right around me. I just didn't have access to them until now. So I think when we can sort of educate our users about, um, all those things, they tend mm-hmm. to, they tend to want to stick with us.
1: Yeah. I know when you told me that the, oh, well, Annie's just as good as Sally. That's when it really is like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, you're, yeah. you not you're not just stuck with your five.
0: Yeah. Um, and we do have, I will say we do have a way within the app. If you, let's say you have Annie and you have Sally and you have two other Wendy's and you're like, I love all these Wendy's. We make it very easy within the app. You can essentially star those Wendy's and create a job, and the app will automatically handle offering that job in the order that you want to those oh. sitters. So it's not it's not like on Wendy, you're just you're only stuck posting jobs and sort of seeing who comes. Um, there is a mechanism by which if you have a list of 15 sitters that you really love, you can you can offer jobs to them through the platform and it automates that process. So you're not doing the text one person, text the second person, text the third person. Yeah. So um, it's kind of the best of both worlds.
1: Okay, so I have a question for you that I didn't prep you about. But I would love to know if there were any assumptions that you had four years ago when you were in concept and then you launched that... Um, that well let's say that we're wrong like that you've been proven like okay that assumption was totally wrong and then also any assumptions that you had at the beginning that um that's like we were right on with that one
0: that's a good question um I think as far as assumptions that were right um I'll start with that one uh you know I, I think I've told you this but um you know, when we, when I first came up with sort of the germ of the idea for Wendy back in, I guess it was mid 2016, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing I did was Google it, right. Because I figured <laughs> someone, I was going to Google this and somebody was going to have already done this exactly right. I thought it should be done. And that was going to be the end of that. And while there were some kind of legacy players in the space, care.com being the biggest, you know, mm-hmm. those were all kind of for better or worse, like Craigslist for babysitting. It was just like, anyone can sign up to be a carryover. Um, So the burden's totally on a parent to figure out who are these people? Can I trust my kids with them? And there really wasn't that sort of on-demand element. It was kind of like, here's a bunch of people, good luck trying to find someone and schedule them and all that. So, uh, you know, there seemed to be a space for something like this. But a big part of our story, um, which I tell you know, entrepreneurs that I'm talking to who are earlier on, is I'm a big believer in the MVP concept, like build a vin- minimum viable product and test it and determine if there's a market before you waste a lot of time and a lot of money building a shiny right. platform. Um, but for us, what was interesting is in that summer of 2016, there was a Facebook group um, that was sort of aiming to connect parents and college students for babysitting jobs and it kind of exploded during that summer. and and it was nothing but a private Facebook group. So there were all kinds of problems and drawbacks and there was no one vetting to see if these people really were in college. You know, there was obviously no kind of booking and payment functionality, but people were using it because it was better than the what was, you know, there before technology. right. So for us, I think that really gave us some confidence in the assumption that, hey, parents and college students are ready to use technology to address this problem in a way that they haven't really before. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that has proven to be true. Um, And I think, you know, the the more time that goes on, especially as now, you know, people who are 10 years younger than you and I are now parents, you know, they've grown up with Uber and Airbnb and Grubhub and all the others. So, You know they're even more used to kind of the on-demand economy um which i think is helpful for us because now those folks are parents and they want to they want to be able to press a button and solve this problem the same way they've solved other problems through other platforms so um so i'd say that was one we were right about um i think probably an assumption that i was wrong about um which is probably just maybe part of the naivete that you kind of need to like jump off the cliff and do something is, uh, you know, I was sort of under the impression that if we just built this platform that did, did what I wanted it to do, that it would sort of like, we'd put it in the world and it would just explode immediately. Yeah. Uh, Which is very rarely the case. Um, unless you happen to be, you know, Instagram or something like that. So, uh, I think that was an assumption that, you know, I, um, probably had and was definitely wrong about
1: (laughs) (laughs) well so tell us what how how did y'all um I will say I know that a lot of the listeners are thinking about starting or have started something new young companies um how did y'all with an app that I know you have been in Birmingham your whole life so you have a great network here but how did you get the word out and start bringing in Users, because you've got two sets of users to bring in.
0: Yeah, um, you know, in the early days, we we initially outsourced the technology uh, to a firm here in Birmingham, Airship, which you know they did a great job for us, and really still have a relationship with those guys and like them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were kind of building, you know, working with me to build the technology starting in late 2016. Um, in January of 2017, we. Uh, launched essentially a landing page and it allowed parents to pre-register for the app and allowed sitters to go through our online application process. So beginning in January, the app was still being built, but we were starting to build kind of the funnel of users on both sides. Um, and I think that was really key because, um, when we did finally get the app ready and launched in late March of 2017, you know, we already had a pretty healthy, um, group of parents signups and sitter uh, sitters who had been fully onboarded. So really from, you know, as soon as we sort of flipped the switch, um, people started using it. And I think that's... Yeah, the- I
1: mean, I remember seeing all the posts. I mean, that's one of the great things about starting here in Birmingham is you did have, like totally random people for me, you know, in my mind, they're all posting the same thing. And so, um, I remember all of that. So, yeah,
0: I mean, and a lot of it was very like, you know, very boots on the ground, very tapping into our personal network and utilizing the things that are free like Facebook groups and, Mm -hmm. you know, just other sort of organic channels. Um, but I think that really like one of the things that I would advise people, particularly if you're trying to start a marketplace, um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people, I think, that get hung up on making the technology right and work, and forget that you know you can have you can have the Uber app, but if you don't have drivers and you don't have riders, you don't have anything. Right. And so I think what I've seen people do is make the mistake of like we just need to build the technology, and then we'll think about getting users. And you know what happens a lot of times is you you put out the app and you've got great technology, but you don't have you don't have anyone interacting with it, um, or you have one side and you don't have the other and it just doesn't work. And, um, you know, I think that was something that if you can't, I mean, we've definitely improved in sort of the experience that we're delivering to users since we started, but I think we did a pretty good job of from the get-go, you know, parents started posting so that the sitters were going, man, this there's jobs on the job board. Like this is a cool thing. good way for me to get babysitting jobs. And on the flip side, the parents were posting jobs and sitters were saying, hey, I'd love to do your job tomorrow or the next day. And so both sides were kind of getting the benefit of the, you know what we had built and the vision that we had for it. Um, so that's definitely one piece of advice I would give, particularly if you're trying to tackle a marketplace.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, shifting gears a little bit. So I know that you did not start out in the tech world, you were a lawyer and you, well, you mentioned you went to law school, had a great job in law. Uh, At least, you know, everybody would have said it was a great job and probably everybody else at the firm thought it was a great job. So tell us what that was like shifting, like having a secure job, a wife, young kids and shifting into a new career path and (laughs) starting a company.
0: Yeah, I, it was, um, you know, it was a little bit of a, I mean, there was a little bit of a transition period there. Um, I actually left the firm. I was at Maynard Cooper and left, um, I think, at the end of February of 2016. And when I left, I actually went to go take a job at sort of a, another technology company, had nothing to do with Wendy, um, but it was more of a business opportunity because I'd kind of got to the point in my legal career where it was, you know, it was time to either, fish or cut bait. And, um, and frankly, I just didn't feel like that was where I was called long-term, even though I loved the people that I worked with and thought highly of the firm, uh, just felt like it was not, not where I was heading. Um, Mm -hmm. so I did that. And then, you know, about, I guess, two months into that new role is when I kind of had the idea for Wendy. And then there was probably another, you know, three months or so of kind of, again, having some conversations with people, doing some research, you know, watching things like this Facebook group and kind of getting to a point of having the conviction, like there's, there's really an opportunity here, um, and we ought to pursue it. So, you know, it was in November of 2016 is when I kind of signed on the dotted line with airship and said, let's, let's go do this. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, uh, there was definitely some, stress. Um, but I think again, this may be the benefit of my naivete at the time. Um, it wasn't, I mean, it was stressful to know that like how many things I didn't know. Right. Cause I was an English major turned lawyer. Like I knew nothing about technology, um, nothing about, you know, creating or building an organization. I mean, the, the list of things I didn't know is very, was very long and still is. Um, but I think I was confident in, like, the the need that we were addressing and the way that we were thinking about going about addressing it and so you know I, that gave me the conviction to kind of give it a shot
1: so tell us the pro- how you built a team so you haven't you hadn't been you'd been at a law firm but you hadn't been in a in a business role and hadn't had that leadership above you so how did you go about building your team and now equipping and training your team?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's been a definitely a steep learning curve. Um, You know, when we first started, it was really just me, our outsourced developers, and um, we had one other employee who was a a young woman who had recently graduated from Sanford and was kind of helping on the social media, Sitter Recruitment, email, things like that. Um, And then I guess in the fall of 2017 we we hired our first uh our cto who's still our cto um as well as our first like customer success person so that team was kind of we were still pretty small until i guess it was in mid 2018 um we raised some outside capital and were able to start growing the team Um, you know i think that um, I've made plenty of mistakes when it comes to how to how to hire and sort of how to um, cultivate a team. Um, you know, I think I think a big part of being a leader is recognizing what you're good at and what you're not good at mm-hmm. um, and finding people who are better at than you at the things that you're not good at. And, and rather than being kind of intimidated by that, being excited about it. Um, so today, you know, we've got some folks who, um, particularly sort of within the organizational, um, the organization building and sort of infrastructure piece, um, you know, I have some people that work with me who I feel like that's really where their strength lies, um, and it, in ways that are not my strengths. And so it's been really, I think a big part of it is building a team that sort of, um, fills in the gaps, um, and kind of having the humility to, to let people do the things that they can do much better than you, um, while still, you know, recognizing what you can do well and, and contributing, um, those things. So,
1: so what was the hardest thing for you to let go of, to hand off to somebody and say, okay, I'm letting go of my control here. I'm going to give it to you.
0: Yeah. Um, I think the hardest thing, uh, and I I wouldn't say that I've totally handed it off, but again, Mm -hmm. I think, um, a big part of what I think we have to do is um, is sell people on kind of the vision for what we're building and the messaging around that. Um, and on the windy side of things, you know, messaging the right way to parents and messaging the right way to our our sitters. Um, and you know, I'm not, again, I'm not a marketer, um, but I am someone who, uh, my training has helped me in terms of being good at, uh, the written and spoken word. And so right. I think, you know, it's very easy to say like, we've got an app that connects parents and babysitters. Um, lots of people have had this idea before. Um, lots of people have tried it. I think a lot of what it comes down to is, is one, you've got to actually be delivering, you got to deliver the right experience, but then you've got to communicate what it is that you're delivering effectively. Um, and that's something I've been pretty passionate about for the whole time. And, you know, in the early days, again, I was wearing every hat, so I was responding to every customer email. I was the one who wrote every marketing email. Um, so I've had my hands in that for a long time. And as we've, you know, built the team, I've been able to take a lot of, you know, a lot of my hands off of that piece, but I've always, it's always been one that I, have been really passionate about. It's like, how do we talk about Wendy and what we're about as a company and as a product and those kinds of things?
1: Um, Okay, and so now we've talked a lot about Wendy, but you are not just the founder of Wendy, but you also have started in 2019 another company called Allison. Can you tell us a little bit about how that... Um, How it evolved, how Wendy evolved and led to where Allison is today?
0: Sure. Um, So, you know, really from pretty early on in the Wendy journey, um, we started having people reach out to us and say, you know, Wendy's great. Uh, I'd love it if there were sort of a Wendy that could do substitute teachers or elder care or, you know, nurses or whatever it may be. And you know, for for a long time, my posture that on that was I agree with you. I think this technology has applications well beyond just the childcare space. But um, I was worried about getting distracted, and I wanted to make sure we did you know one thing and did it really well before thinking about how do we do this in other verticals. So that was kind of my default position for the first few years. Um, in I guess late 2018, early 2019. I was approached by one of our investors who had recently started a venture in the dental space. And he said, Hey, you know, I'm starting to understand how dental practices and the dental industry works. And it seems like there's a a challenge around temporary dental staffing that your technology could potentially address really effectively. So we started kind of kicking that idea around in early 2019. And then in the spring, um, we met a woman named Allison Springer who was a former hygienist, um, had started her own business, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, essentially doing what Wendy does, but in the temporary dental staffing space and with zero technology. So (laughs) her business was, you know, if you're a dental practice and your hygienist called in sick, you pick up the phone and call Allison. Allison sends text messages to her network of hygienists and says, hey, Susie's coming to your office tomorrow to fill in for you. And she built that into a really successful small business. Um, but without technology, you know, she'd sort of hit her ceiling on scale. Right. Um, so we, we saw an opportunity um, there. And so in mid-2019, we ended up acquiring her business, bringing her on as part of our team, and starting to build out um, a new platform that could service that industry. Um, but not just, we didn't want to just build a dental marketplace, we wanted to build a technology that that would have the ability to scale into all these other verticals. So we've built the platform in sort of an industry agnostic fashion so that, you know, while we're working on Wendy and we're working on Allison, you know, if in six months we were approached by the right person who said, hey, I want to do this in the substitute teacher space or the nursing space, we've got technology that we could sort of quickly spin up an additional vertical and either, you know, license, do a licensing deal with that particular player, or if it made sense, do kind of another partnership type arrangement. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that's been, um, been really fun. We've, you know, we've now kind of gotten the platform to a place where um, our existing dental practice clients and our existing sort of pool of service providers um, are using it. Um, and having a really great experience on it. So it's kind of that same, that same vision, right? We want, if you're the dentist who's hygienist, you know, calls, text you at 6am and says, Hey, I just woke up with the throw up bug. Like we can deliver you a map, you know, the magical, Hey, I post my job on Allison. I have four service providers. I can review their qualifications, see how many jobs they've worked on Allison and, you know, get somebody there in the next three hours. Like that's, that's what we're trying to do. Um, in that space and really our sort of longer term vision is to think about kind of building what we like to call the skills economy. So, mm-hmm. you know, we all know about the gig economy, it's kind of right. anybody can pick up food or deliver groceries. Um, we're trying to sort of take that concept and apply it in sort of places where you have a higher degree of skill, but you still need someone to show up at a particular time and place to, to do the work and add the value, so.
1: And I would think now that on-demand as is post-COVID is going to be even greater because there's going to be people who just, you know, want don't want a full-time commitment somewhere, but still want to be able to work when they want to work, but want to travel or go see family. Like, I just feel like people's mindset around work has really shifted. And so this is the perfect type of vertical to support that. And the businesses are trying to find, you know, reliable workers.
0: For sure. You know, I think we've, especially in the dental space, there's kind of been this binary, you either work full-time for a practice or you have to work full-time for kind of a temp agency, because, you know, if you're a temp agency and you don't have technology, you can only manage so many people. So if I I have 40 people to manage, I want all of them to basically be full-time. Mm -hmm. But again, with with our technology, you know, we would love for every hygienist in Alabama and beyond when we get there to be on Allison because the app, you can go in and set up your own availability. So if you're, you know, let's say your office is closed on Fridays, you can set the app up to where it says I'm available on Fridays and you don't have to do anything else. The app will send you text messages when there are available jobs in your area on Fridays. And if you want to take them, great. If you don't, that's fine. So you know, providing that kind of ease of use so that folks who otherwise may not want to go through all the rigmarole of, you know, working for a temp agency, if they've got these skills, they can utilize them. And, you know, they may want to work every day one week and, and then take that money and go on a week-long vacation. And that's yeah. kind of the flexibility they have through, through our platform, so.
1: Okay, so the title of this podcast is building Birmingham together. So what role do you see that Wendy, Allison, your organization as a whole plays in building Birmingham together? And then where do you see your areas of growth for businesses to really buy into this idea that we are all working to build Birmingham together?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, one of our kind of part of our mission statement at Wendy is to providing Wendy team members with rewarding careers. And we always note this internally when we talk about it, it doesn't say rewarding careers at Wendy. Obviously Mm -hmm. we want to provide that to team members and we would love for, you know, the team members who are great to stay with us for as long as we're around. But, you know, our, our mission really is to create people who are going to, um, have rewarding careers. And even if Wendy's just kind of the first chapter or one chapter in that story. And so, you know, uh, my hope would be that in five years, you know, we have multiple team members who've spent time with us, who've added value and who've learned skills that they can then take and go start their own business, um, or join another startup where they can add that same kind of value. So I think that mentality, um, I think is important and you know hopefully one that lots of companies here in birmingham have Um, so that's one thing um the other thing i don't know if this is responsive to your question but i um you know Part of it may be the, the lawyer and the English major in me, but, you know, I've thought a lot about how a lot of what we do in the startup community is about storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got to tell the story. I've got to tell the story to people so that they'll come work for me. I've got to tell the story to investors so they'll give me money. I've got to tell the story to customers so they'll come use our product. So, so much of that is, you know, is integral to what we do. And I think that applies at kind of a macro level as well. Um, you know, seeing uh, more startups get started, more startups having, you know, large successful fundraising rounds as we've seen recently. Um, You know, all of that stuff, I think is part of us as a community telling a story. And I think if enough people, you know, can kind of tell the story and believe in the story, it tends to sort of be a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, So, yeah, there's a lot that I'm, really excited about, and even, you know, being sort of in this uh, startup space for the last four years, you know, there's, there, there's a lot that has changed since then. So it's been, it'll be really fun to see kind of, you know, how we can all continue to build Birmingham together over the next five years.
1: Well, and you can even see the effects that that storytelling and continuing to sell the story has had just with the Birmingham Bound program and the people who are you know, seeing it and believing it, who probably would have never thought about moving to Birmingham, you know, and just the collective effort of us all sharing and promoting, I love that. Um, Okay, so one last question that I like to ask everybody is um, what are some lessons that you have learned through this journey um, that impact the way that you run your organization or just your day-to-day life as a business owner?
0: Yeah, um, there are lots. I think the one that kind of jumps out to me um, that I tell people, particularly like folks who are, you know, sort of um, earlier in the entrepreneurial journey, you know, I think to be successful at building a startup, you've really got to have kind of a balance between uh, confidence and humility. So, you know, you've got to have the confidence that you sort of have an insight that others don't have um, and that you can sort of look ahead and see a world that is going to exist that doesn't exist today. Um, and and that's something that you have to have a certain level of, of courage and conviction about because there are plenty of people who tell you like, that's not going to work or that's a dumb idea or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, so I think that confidence is really important, but I think you've got to temper that confidence with humility in terms of being open to learning from people who have um who've gone before you who've done this successfully um you know listening to your customers again i think it's easy for you to kind of sit in your garage and say like i've got this idea and everyone's going to love it um but being able to like step away from that and listen to customers and say actually they don't love, they love some of this, but they really don't <laughs> love this. I thought they would. So we need to do something different, you know, things like that um, I think is really important. So, you know, that's something that I try to continue to bring to the table um, as a leader is kind of, I want to have confidence about the vision of what we're doing, but also be um, willing to, you know, receive input and and incorporate that into to trying to be, Build what we're trying to build. So,
1: mm-hmm. okay, I have three rapid fire questions that I didn't warn you about. Okay. So, one is, and um, just because I love to hear this, I think other people do too. But one is, what are like your top two books that you recommend business wise for people to read? <sighs>
0: um, that's a good question. So. I would say recently, um, uh, Traction is one Uh that I read recently. We're sort of implementing the EOS system organization-wide, so that's been a really interesting one. Um, Trying to think about what other books I've read recently. Um, This isn't a book, but actually, I will say this. Well, actually, I'm going to give you two things that are not books. Okay, podcasts that I listened to really early on. Well, that was on. the
1: next question. So wow, you just led two, right two. into
0: it. <laughs> yeah. One book is good enough. Okay. That's right. So the two podcasts that I listened to really early on that were super helpful um, and really interesting. One was the the startup podcast. Yep, um,
1: I knew you were going to say that because it came out like the same time that we were both starting. Literally,
0: yeah. Literally real time him trying to create this company, which was awesome for me to listen to. Cause I was, yep. in the same day. um, so I still recommend that uh, to a lot of people that first season. And then, um, there's also a podcast. I assume it's still up. It was called, um, I think it was called like maybe how to start a startup, but it was, a series of classes that the Y Combinator guys organized and taught at um the Stanford I oh, think yes cool. department um but they had you know a ton of like big names that you would recognize um from you know Facebook and LinkedIn and all kinds of other folks who would come in and talk about specific topics related to startups oh cool um and that was really useful um to sort of hear from some of the Preeminent names and kind of startups um, talk about some very practical topics related to starting a startup. So I definitely recommend that as well.
1: Okay, um, okay. And this third question is specifically for you. So what is your like number one use for Wendy? Like, do y'all is it mostly like last minute dinner or planned ahead? Like, what are you? What is are, yeah. your best use case?
0: We um we I mean we've used it for every probably every use case, <laughs> um, which has been great. Um but you know I think recently, um particularly during the pandemic, um we we did virtual school for one nine weeks um in the fall. And so we were having the girls um go up to Ginger's office, was kind of the Mayfield schoolhouse. So they would go up there <laughs> and do their virtual work and Ginger was doing the bulk of it. I, I, I briefly attempted to be responsible for one day and then Ginger basically fired me. <laughs> um, but we had a Wendy <laughs> who we connected with, um, who was, who did that for two days a week. So she was oh, wow. girls in the morning, taking them up to do their virtual school and bringing them home in the afternoon. And, and she has, um, kind of become like almost part of our family. Um, so we still use her r- regularly. Um, not all the time like again because of it's nice to be able to just post a job and get somebody right but in terms of um kind of like regular couple days a week we Mm -hmm. we typically hire her and so it's been really cool to get to know her and just see how much the the kids you know love her i mean our our youngest daughter is she's from kentucky and our youngest daughter is now obsessed with the state (laughs) of kentucky because of (laughs) charlotte so um so that is something that i think we've not um you know, the pandemic created some opportunities to do some things that we probably otherwise wouldn't have done. Um, but you know, it's been it's been really fun to kind of get to know her on a deeper level um and sort of feel like we're, you know, we're a resource for her, you know, when she's away from her home and and obviously she does a ton for us too. So
1: that's awesome. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for, um, for being on Birmingham, building Birmingham together today. Um, I really appreciate it. I love to get to tell your story. Um, I feel like I've watched it for a long time, so it's fun to be able to share it. Um, if y'all would like to get in touch with Tommy, um, information is in the show notes and also wendy.com. If you are a parent and you are desperate for consistent sitters, or if you're listening and you'd like to be a sitter, you can also go to the website and find more information and sign up there. So thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Kim. Building Birmingham Together is brought to you today by Forge. If you are tired of working from home and looking for a professional place to work to get work done, Forge is your solution. You can visit workatforge.com to schedule your tour today. Be sure to use the code SUMMERSPECIAL when you book your tour so that you can take advantage of our Buy One, Get One special.